I'm Melanie Sayward and you are tuning in to The Pink Elephant. Hi there, welcome to The Pink Elephant Podcast where we talk about the most undiscussed issue in the body of Christ today, that despite all we know, something is missing in our faith experience. In this month's episode, I want to talk about our parents, what the Bible tells us, what the pink elephants are in the body of Christ when it comes to this unique relationship. But before we get into it, we need to acknowledge that we are going to have very different reactions to this message. Because the truth is, we all have very different relationships with our parents, or maybe even different relationships between one parent and the other. Some of us have great relationships with our parents. And others of us, not so much. But the Bible does talk about our relationship with our parents, and it's not only the commandment to honour them. In my experience with other believers, and of course, even in my own experiences, our relationship with our parents appears to be the most significant influencer on how we engage with God and the world, even when we don't want it to be. And that's not just because God is kind of a parent. We can observe the weight of this influence by the fact that even the absence of a parent influences how we experience life. We are very vulnerable to the influence of our parents, even in adulthood. Just the other day, I had a conversation with my parents and as I got off the call, I realized a familiar feeling, this high level of guilt that almost nobody else in my life has the ability to produce in me. And it wasn't because I was guilty of something. It, it wasn't even because they were trying to make me feel guilty. I knew theoretically that there was absolutely no reason for me to feel bad. And yet there I was feeling all kinds of bad. My parents are the only ones who have this kind of power over me. And I have a good relationship with my parents. I have a feeling that some of you might relate to that story. So we need to talk about our earthly parents because... Like I said, they are such huge influences on our faith. What are the pink elephants we need to confront when discussing the topic of parents? Well, there's a few, and I'm just going to get stuck right into it here. And we're going to talk about biblical aspects afterwards, sort of changing the order a little bit for this episode. The first one is that I think some of us need to consider that we're still chasing after something we lacked from our parents. The pressure we put on ourselves to perform, to be successful, to be anything might just be an expression of our desire to please them. If you think that might relate to you, just take note because we're going to talk about this more. But also at a deeper level, there appears to be this like innate desire to please our parents. It's almost universal. And even if you've been harmed by them, we still find ourselves wanting to please them. And it seems to account for the very dysfunctional relationships we have with them. Furthermore, we can do the opposite. We can desire to push them away with such extreme, which in essence is still stemming from our need for them to approve of us. The second pink elephant is this. Some parents have hurt us a lot throughout life. When I was pastoring, I would often be struck by the number of people who would confess to me in private that one of their parents, you know, physically, emotionally, or even sexually abused them. So I know that there is a great deal of pain when we speak about parents. At times, our parents have been our adversaries, the very vehicle through which the enemy has caused great harm. 
that we're often still dealing with again in adulthood. Our culture has a tendency to hone in on the damage our parents have done to us. And, you know, the fact is that the harm is undeniable in most cases, or maybe not most, many, right? But our society is also in the habit of blaming and judging to a level and degree that God doesn't actually endorse. And sometimes we're guilty of doing that. We're guilty of blaming and judging them. Again, to a degree that God doesn't endorse. Now, I'm not suggesting that this blame actually isn't justifiable. And I'll unpack that a lot more later. Because despite all the harm that has been done, we must still face this virtually irreconcilable truth that God asks us to honour our parents. It's not easy to do, but I think I've got some advice. The last one is this, which I would say I observe in children who have good relationships with their parents more so than the other, is that our parents can sometimes have too much say still in our lives and how we live out our lives. In some ways, this is often seen in different cultural settings. You know, as an Indian woman, albeit my parents are somewhat Australianized, they still frequently tell me how they think I should live my life. And for some strange reason, I sometimes think that I should be doing that. Well, look, they told me what to study. They told me where to work. And they have this expectation that I will obey them, even though for non-Indian kids, this would maybe be thought of as an overstep. When I finished school, I started a Bachelor of Arts degree and I was hoping to do music. Through a number of circumstances, the music department was actually going to be closed down and I think it eventually did. So by semester two of that first year, I had actually dropped out of university and was at home deciding what I was going to do with my life. At the time, I was seriously considering getting into veterinary nursing because I love animals which would have required a TAFE degree, which is not the same as a university degree. For international listeners, TAFE is kind of like, it's not like college, but it's probably the equivalent of community college. So uh, yeah, maybe. Anyway, my mum argued with me for like two weeks straight. It was like two of the worst weeks of my life, right? In her mind, if I had the marks to go to university, I should be going to university. And I think there was a little bit of me representing the family in that and and all that kind of stuff as well, right? Now, in the end, I came across rehab counselling, which I did have to study at university, and I decided that was what I wanted to do. And, And to be honest, I even felt like it was what the Holy Spirit led me to do. And so I have no regrets. But the point is that at times, us ethnic people give our parents a level of influence that maybe God did not intend for them to have. I find this especially so for kids of Christian parents who've had it drummed into them that they have to obey their parents, which is true. Like it does say that. Again, we'll get to this later. But there does come a time when obeying your parents could be disobeying God. And I don't think God is really cool with that. So there are many stories in the Bible relating to parenthood. There are people who, in the Bible, who had great parents and there are others that had truly terrible parents. Like, I'm, I'm meaning like really terrible, right? We have Zachariah and Elizabeth who clearly waited so patiently and with great excitement, welcomed John the Baptist into their family. Now, I'm sure that Zachariah and Elizabeth had some questions as to why John, their son, had to abscond to the desert. But as far as we know, they never stopped him. And, you know, I think that's pretty good parenting. But on the other hand, we have Lot, who offered his virgin daughters to clearly crazy men, 
as a sexual trade for the safety of angels. His words are truly devastating too. He says to the crazy men, you can do what you want with them. Now, we don't even want to think about in this modern day what that could be. I've watched way too many Law and Order SVU episodes to let my imagination go wild. But anyway, terrible, truly terrible. Joseph and Mary clearly, you know, well, maybe not so clearly, but they appear to be great parents. Well, you know, at least we assume that because of the interactions we see between Mary and Jesus and even the interactions we see between Mary and Joseph, like pre-Jesus. So, yeah, that seemed like they're pretty good. On the other hand, we have Jacob who negotiated the marriage of his daughter Dinah with her rapist. Oh my goodness, like what in the actual world? Like they I'm pretty sure Jacob would probably be, I don't know, like what's that term again? Cancelled like today? Anyway, these are obviously quite extreme examples too, right? But but there's even less sinister situations, like ones that we might be able to relate to a little bit more, like David and his father, who just plain forgot about him. A prophet comes around looking for the next king, and Jesse doesn't even consider that it could be David. And of course, there are copious examples of, of characters who favoured one child over another. And the Bible characters aren't even apologetic about that. There's Jacob and Joseph. There's Isaac and Esau. There's the prodigal son and the elder son. And I mean, that one's probably a little bit more complex, but you get my point. And I think the jury is still actually out whether Abraham was a good or bad father when he took Isaac up to the mountain to sacrifice him. Like, I can't help but think from Isaac's perspective that God was probably the only good looking father on that day you know anyway I think it is really important to say that God places great value on parents and I suppose I can see this more as a mother than any other time in my life and it's going to be hard to hear but we can see this like the evidence of this is in the fact that he does not place any condition on our responsibility as children to honor our parents He doesn't say, if your parents are faithful, honour your parents, or if your parents were good, honour your parents, or if their sin against you was unintentional, honour your parents. I know, it sounds really messed up, and in truth, it may be too much for some of us to hear. We may not be ready to grapple with this, depending on where you're at, with your parental relationships, and, you know, that's okay, God is patient and he is merciful, but... I mean, I'm putting this out there because we still need to be challenged with the truth of what God's word says, right? He's not blind to our challenges either. He's not actually saying that he doesn't see. But to return to this point, the command to honor our parents is never retracted. Now, thank God for grace because he knows that we can't all do this. Like with some of the things that have happened in our lives, we we haven't been able to follow this. There are seasons in my life where I practically hated my parents. So I'm thankful for grace that reminds us that we can't meet the standard, but we also have this advocate in Jesus. But it does tell us how much he values parenthood and the role of parenthood. It doesn't say a parent is worthy of that honour because of their actions, but because of their role. There are very few roles that would attract this kind of honourable status. Even leaders of the church are not worthy of this kind of status. An inability to meet the requirements of leadership according to Timothy 
would render you unworthy of the role of leadership. That's how it works. And arguably, parenthood is the greatest leadership role a person could lead in. And yet, there is still no exception that seems reasonable. Now, we could argue that this is Old Testament theology. I mean, don't get me wrong when I say that or use that kind of language. What I'm really saying is that it's some kind of outdated theology that gets superseded by the entrance of Christ and the new covenant. You know, there's some theology that's like that, like the theology of the temple. In the Old Testament, the building, the temple was actually valuable because, you know, like it was a temple. It held the Ark of the Covenant or whatever, right? But see, in the New Testament, we are the temple. And Jesus is very clear to say that the building is no longer what is important and critical, right? Well, the fact is this, this one, honoring your father and mother is a Ten Commandment. It's not actually so easily dismissed. Like we can't really just go, oh, it's Old Testament theology. And we also can't do that because Jesus pipes up in Matthew 15 and chastises the Pharisees kind of on this matter. The Pharisees had made a rule with regard to God's people and their money. It's kind of a complicated matter, but basically you could dedicate your possessions to God and therefore the temple that would preclude you from having to take responsibility for the care of your parents. I mean, the expectation to care physically for your parents is even further away from what we generally presume honouring is in this day and age. In that day, it was expected that you would care physically and financially for your parents. Ultimately, Jesus takes issue with their behaviour because it conflicts with the commandment to honour one's father and mother. Now, maybe this doesn't fully affirm the commandment exactly in the New Testament sort of way, but... And maybe this passage is actually more about hypocrisy of the Pharisees who claimed to follow the law but nullified this rule for personal gain. Maybe. But we also can't deny that Jesus frequently demonstrated honour himself toward his mother throughout the Gospels, even to the point of ensuring that she had another son that would care for her after his death and resurrection. None of these points, anyway, this is what this is what I'm getting to. None of these points would effectively validate any person's desire to dismiss the commandment to honour our mother and father. The fact is, God does not say that our parents have to be alive or psychologically healthy or even Christian to be honoured. And from a personal perspective, that was something I've had to grapple with. My parents haven't always understood the life I've chosen to live as a Christian. They couldn't understand why I was willing to leave behind a career I worked hard for and in some ways they ultimately financially supported me to do to then be a pastor. I know some pastors that are filthy rich these days, but you know, that was not my story and probably never will be. When I transitioned out of corporate into pastoral work, you know, at the time it was not pastoral straight away. But anyway, I basically took a pay cut two-thirds of my wage was disappeared overnight and I can tell you that I was definitely working longer hours. Now, they didn't get that. In fact, when I told my parents that I was going to go work in a church, my dad rang me back, which is uncommon. It's usually my mum that I talk to on the phone. But he rang me back and said, Mel, are they actually going to pay you? He, he actually legitimately didn't know. I had to explain to him that, yes, Dad, they're an actual organisation bound by the same employer laws as any other workplace in Australia. I have a contract with financial obligations that they have to meet. 
And this is just one aspect to which they have struggled to understand simply because they don't get Christianity. There are actually plenty more and ones that are way more severe. So a long time ago, back when I was a young adult and I was siphoning through my issues and no doubt my parents came up in all of that, I realized that God wanted me, me personally, to honor my parents, even when they weren't so keen on my faith, which is not all the time, by the way. There was just a season that they went through. Though they may never even understand my faith or understand me, though I still had issues with them and my own experiences of favoritism toward my other sibling, I had to forgive them, stop holding them to account for things I was unhappy about and honour them. I had to acknowledge that honouring them was my choice and was more about my relationship with God than even my relationship with them. Now, it wasn't easy and God is patient, but now after so many years, even when they still have the ability to produce guilt to me that nobody else can, I can tell you hand on my heart that I genuinely love and honour them probably better than most people I know. It's something I don't even have to work at. So let's talk about honour for a second. What does it actually mean to honour our parents? The Hebrew word for honour is kabad. It's a verb which implies that there is a practical implication to it. The actual meaning of kabad is to make heavy, to give something weight. And in some way, we are meant to honour everyone. We are meant to actually give weight to every human being as image bearers of God, which includes people who don't believe in Christ. We are meant to honour every person since there is a divine imprint upon every one of us. And the implication of God's command to love our neighbor, which is also without condition. Yes, there is literally no behavior that a human could perform that nullifies this command for you and I, implies that it is our value in the eyes of God as image bearers that demands an honorable response. To treat any person less than honorably means we don't see the value that God places on human beings. Furthermore, it demonstrates that we don't comprehend the value of God himself to whom our design belongs. I once said this to a younger friend of mine who is spending a bit of time on dating apps, flirting with different guys. I said, even if they don't treat themselves with honor, we must honor them because of God's divine imprint. All people have great immeasurable value and God encourages, I mean, not even encourages, I'm being like super soft right there. He really commands us to honor the design, to honor the divine imprint on them and see them as valuable because they are created in his image. God, however, is even more specific in this command to our parents. Even though we are technically invited to honor all people, he makes deliberate space for honoring our parents. Again, highlighting that this is important to God. So let's circle back to our pink elephants. In general, the overarching theme in scripture is that blame is never really a fruitful activity. Blame doesn't really help us heal or move forward. Taking responsibility, on the other hand, is definitely helpful. 
If you just want your parents to take responsibility for the things that have been done to you, sure, I get that. You can actually still honour them and ask them to take responsibility. There's no conflict between those two ideas. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I guess I've heard of like children sitting down with their parents and explaining the pain that has been caused for the actions their parents took. And in some ways, that's actually biblical. You know, the Bible suggests in Matthew 18 that we confront a brother or sister who offends us. If this is achievable in your family, 100% I encourage you to go for it. And maybe the severity of the actions that your parents have taken against you, say if you were sexually abused, may actually demand this kind of intervention. You know, like I don't think it's advisable to just to just like continue on as things, you know, nothing had ever happened when something like that hangs in the mix, right? But here's the caveat to this. You can't actually force someone to take responsibility any more than I can force my husband to stop looking at his phone during dinner. Even if they temporarily take responsibility and apologize, they may be unable to change and certainly maybe not at the pace we would like them to. Some things we are wanting our parents to change are at the core of their very being. You know, I have some relatives who have ADHD and they can't for the life of them pay attention. No matter how much they apologize for it, it's not really going to change that at times they will revert to their default position, to their default like condition, right? Now, that doesn't mean there is no hope for our parents. I'm simply saying that the effort to have our parents take responsibility is not going to work for it's not going to work for everyone, right? Say for example in the case of my parents who who never harmed me in extreme ways or anything, right? I mean, it's not even fair to say harm. Because of being Hindu, they simply don't hold themselves to the same standards as I do as a parent because my standards are Christian standards when it comes to parenting. And in comparison to their own parents, they were probably a massive step up to what they got. I mean, I've never even heard my parents complain about their own parents, right? But my dad was one of nine and my mum was like one of six or seven. And their parents had, you know, various financial strains and other challenges. And But the fact is I got one-on-one time with my parents, which they probably, you know, that was probably unheard of. We don't realise that some of the reason we blame parents is because we don't always consider how high the expectations are that we set for our parents. My parents were 100% yelled at by their own parents and would never have received an apology for yelling. I mean, like, to be quite honest, they probably got more than yelling, right? But I, I treat myself like a criminal and apologize profusely to my daughter for ever yelling at her because we now understand a lot more about the effects of our parenting on our kids. My parents often say to me that there weren't the same kind of books or even the internet and and the kind of access to learning and information for parents that we have now. You know, that, that didn't exist in their day. And I would argue that sometimes there's actually too much information for us, right? It actually restrains us. But trying to hold my parents accountable to my standard of parenting is like expecting to watch an old movie that's respectful of race and gender. It's just not going to happen. The harsh truth that we have to face when and if we become parents ourselves is that we will fall short. Some devastatingly short, but regardless of the degree, it will still be short. Our parents bring us into the world with their own complex network of challenges, trauma, unmet needs, 
undiagnosed emotional issues, their own internal pressures, external pressures, complicated society pressures and family networks, their own sins, their own temptations, their own faulty mindsets, their own compulsions and many, many, many other factors. Our inner expectations as children is that our parents will fulfill our every need. We are programmed to think that way from birth and they often are trying their best to meet those needs. But to actually successfully do so, to actually successfully fulfill every one of our needs would mean that they would have to be whole people themselves who had every need in themselves fulfilled too which we know is unlikely because if we still have needs that are unmet, why would we expect that they would have them unmet? Did I say that the right way? Anyway, you get what I'm trying to say. It's entirely possible that our parents were never meant to fulfill our every need. They are simply complementary to the perfect parental love that only our Heavenly Father can accomplish. Our parents were never meant to replace this relationship we were always meant to have with God. A couple of years ago, I had this very emotionally heavy dream. I dreamt that somehow I discovered that I was not actually my parents' child. In the dream, I could see myself sobbing and sobbing at realizing I was biologically parentless. I felt displaced, I felt abandoned, and I felt an immediate lack of belonging. At the end of the dream, I am lying in a gutter, crying out to God, saying that he is my one true parent, and that he's always been my one true parent, and that I could get through this as long as I knew he was with me. I woke up feeling the heaviness of that dream, to the point where I actually believed it to be true. Like I rang up my mum and I gave her like a snippet of the dream and it wasn't until she reminded me of the impossibility of such a notion because I look exactly like her that I kind of snapped out of it. And until then I was like thinking maybe it's true. But I believe God was demonstrating through that dream the heaviness of an orphan spirit that all of us have experienced And it's not even necessarily because of the failing of our parents. It's a lostness we feel when we experience distance from our one true parent, God. But it also demonstrated the gift of God's adoption, that we forever become his kids. The influence of his parenting, should we receive it, you know, it's our choice, becomes a greater factor in who we are than anything our parents may have done that was formative. We take on his nature despite our hereditary components. He comforts us perfectly, loves us kindly, honours us and serves purely and sacrificially for the rest of our lives. He's never too busy to listen, never too disappointed to run to us with robes, never inconsiderate and annoyed by our vulnerabilities and frailties. No one can parent us like God, which means that God is the only one we can expect to completely meet our needs. Honouring our parents is more about honouring God. 
It's an extension of the gratefulness we experience toward him for giving us life, which can only be accomplished through an earthly mother and father. He doesn't deny that they were imperfect. He doesn't even deny that some are outright bad. But where your parents fell short, God intends to bridge the gap. He is a redeemer of time, of relationships and of personhood. You know, my parents still aren't perfect. They definitely drop some bombs every now and then that bring me back to that six-year-old child that just wants to run away and hide. But I no longer expect them to meet any of my needs because I have my heavenly father doing that. See, at some point, our parents can no longer take responsibility. Yeah, sure, they can take responsibility for the actions of the past, but they can't really do much with the residue that it's left in me. It's just an unfortunate fact of life. I'm the only one who can deal with the residue left behind because I'm the only one who really sees it or feels it. Joseph might have had some pretty rough circumstances, but the reason we admire him so much is because he took responsibility for himself wherever he found himself. He got up and tried in spite of his pain. And believe me, if you go read that story, you will see that he had much pain. Even though he had been placed in the lowest of circumstances, he gave it another go. A jail in ancient Egypt, nothing like the jails of our time. You can bet they didn't get snacks or have yard time or be able to like complete degrees like I hear happens in prison. But he took responsibility because simply lamenting over the residue in him wasn't going to change that the residue was there. Blaming our parents doesn't change that the consequences of their failings still remain. When we take responsibility, getting counselling or turning to God in vulnerability and truth, whatever it is, that is what actually heals us. That's what dries up the residue. There's a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, right? It's by Mark Manson and you've probably seen it at your local department stores or whatever. It was super popular when it came out and of course there's a bleeped out swear word and it's kind of hard to miss. And I figure a lot of Christians would have steered clear of it just because of its title. I get that. But I read it and there was one really helpful analogy that helped me get some perspective on the victim mentality that I often resorted to in hard times, especially when it comes to my parents. So here it goes. Back in college, I had a bit of a delusional fantasy of becoming a professional poker player. I won money and everything and it was fun. But after almost a year of serious play, I quit. The lifestyle of staying up all night, staring at a computer screen, winning thousands of dollars one day and then losing most of it the next wasn't for me. And it wasn't exactly the most healthy or emotionally stable means of earning a living. But my time playing poker and a surprisingly profound influence on the way I see life. The beauty of poker is that while luck is always involved, luck doesn't dictate the long-term results of the game. A person can get dealt terrible cards and beat someone who was dealt great cards. Sure, the person who gets dealt great cards has a higher likelihood of winning the hand, but ultimately the winner is determined by the choices each player makes throughout play. I see life in the same terms. We all get dealt cards. Some of us get better cards than others. And while it's easy to get hung up on our cards and feel we got screwed over, the real game lies in the choices we make with those cards, 
the risks we decide to take and the consequences we choose to live with. You know, we don't get a choice in the kind of parents we have and we don't have a choice with regard to the mark it makes in us, but we have a choice with regard to where we go with that, whether we continue to let it be our test or whether it becomes our testimony. That's why we can honour our parents because it was never about them. It's about us and it's about God. It's about truly, genuinely having faith that regardless of the circumstances we found ourselves in as children, that God is still enough, that he can turn things around, that he can work within us, that he can work through us and that we are still of great value. It was never about them. It's about us and it's about God. So how in the world do we honour our parents? Well, to a degree, we will have some difference in how we interpret that word because we're essentially asking how do we give our parents value? And, you know, there's even cultural differences about that. You know, some people say it's about speaking highly of them. Maybe. I mean, there's a girl on Instagram, Deborah something or other, who shares daily about her own journey of being sexually abused repeatedly by her father for like 10 years. And I think she might disagree with this notion because for her to speak highly of her father would mean she would also have to lie and continue having secrecy about his very obvious sins. And God knows she is helping thousands of Christian girls who have gone through the same thing or are still going through it. Some of you might disagree with me, but I say this mainly to demonstrate that we all have different opinions on how honouring looks in practice. What I think is a better way to consider this command of honouring our mother and father is to work on the posture of honouring and allow that posture to extenuate into whatever that happens to look like in practice. A posture of honouring people starts with our posture towards God. We must firstly believe that the healing journey begins with God and his relationship with us. I sort of alluded to this earlier, right? But just in case you missed the point, here it is a little bit clearer. Even if your parents had the tools to rectify and fix all that has been lost on account of your childhood, which is a very big if, it doesn't really mean they can A, heal you, or B, that it's their job to. There is no guarantee that anything your parents could ever do for you would eventuate in your healing, even if they apologize, although, you know, it probably helps. Exodus 15, 26 says that I am the God who heals you. When your posture for healing is directed toward God, you won't expect it to come from any other direction. Now, I'm not saying that you won't need counseling or mentoring or prayer or anything else, right? I'm simply saying you won't hold others accountable for the peace you seek in your heart. You know, sometimes the enemy is so cunning in this regard. He confuses you to think that you want healing and we go to the person, try to seek it. But actually what we really want is revenge and recompense. When you are postured toward God as your healer, you won't seek revenge because you won't actually need it. See, our parents aren't actually indebted to us for the childhoods they gave us. Whatever consequences arise for them are between them and God. And at some point, how we deal with our childhoods is between us and God. There's nothing in scripture to say that parents will be held accountable to their children. And I know that's hard to stomach because it seems like the consequence is all ours. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's like what trauma is like. 
sexual abuse, physical abuse, neglect. We often are paying for the sins of our brothers and sisters. It's not fair, but when God is the one we are postured toward for healing, I promise you your healing will come and you will be renewed and emerge as a greater human being than ever before. When we are postured toward God, we see that Jesus is our ultimate hope and that is what the Bible has been telling us all along. This gospel, Jesus our Saviour, he is where all our hopes really culminate for everything in life. But the second posture I suggest may be more easily grasped as a statement that I often say to myself, right? This statement has helped me forgive my parents, to to love them and, of course, honour them. When I'm reminded of a challenge that I had in childhood or something I'm still dealing with on account of the past, I say this statement to myself and here it goes. They did the best they could with the tools they had, with the person they were at the time, in the circumstances they found themselves in. Let me say that one more time. They did the best they could with the tools they had, with the person they were at the time, in the circumstances they found themselves in. You know, we don't get the benefit of seeing our parents in context when we were children. We don't see all the challenges, the stresses, the person that they were, and even the tools they had with dealing with life. We can't see whether they were good or they were bad, unless they were, you know, blaringly obvious, right? We only see our life and our context which is a much, much smaller and more limited sphere. They couldn't be someone they weren't any more than you or I can be someone we aren't. They couldn't use tools they didn't have or wisdom they did not possess or even know how to attain. And just like us, they were a part of a highly complex context, a specific time in history, a time in their family's history, a part of a nation and its economic season. We can't deny that we are all ultimately surviving and reacting to the multifaceted context we are a part of. Just consider the pandemic. What kind of things will the future generations be complaining about us? What if they took no note of how significant lockdowns were for us? What if they dismissed the effects of fear and misinformation? What if they never considered the pain of losing loved ones in hospital beds that we couldn't visit? there's a good chance they won't consider it and that's okay. But I will certainly have a thing or two to say if a generation far removed from this one judged me for the choices I made to survive and react within the context of COVID. It's the same for our parents. We may not have to understand the specifics of the context they found themselves in, but we know there's a bigger one than the one we saw as children and recognising that helps. And maybe that's not enough. Maybe your parents were an abusive mess. Well, the principle still rings true. They were doing the best they could with the tools they had as the person they were at the time in the circumstances they found themselves in. It's just that their best was pretty bad. And that's why honour is not about what they did or didn't do. It's about us. It's about us being grateful, even if it's just because they gave us life. Now, I want to talk about some exceptions within this concept of honouring. There are a few things that honouring isn't. Honouring isn't necessarily being obedient. 
Now, before every Christian parent jumps out of their skin, don't worry, I know the passages that say obey your parents. Well, there are a few conditions to that. Where obeying your parents conflicts with what God has told you to do, you must obey God first. Now, I would say if you're under 18, you should still obey your parents or at least talk with another adult that you trust about your circumstances, right? You know, like if you're under 18, it's pretty specific, okay? So don't just take this advice that I'm saying. You need to talk to other people. So for instance, though, there were a few times where my parents tried to restrict me with church, right? They obviously did it out of concern initially. They thought I I was getting brainwashed and unfortunately what they didn't realize is that I was probably brainwashing others. No, that's terrible. I, I did not say that. I never brainwashed anyone. But my point is, is that I was passionate on my own. I didn't need anyone to, to get me excited about God. But in that instance, I knew that God wanted me to participate in church. So sometimes I would disobey them, you know, just I would discern the right time so as to avoid sort of unnecessary stress because I knew it brought stress to, our, to my household. But sometimes I had to disobey. My Western friends who have grown up in Christian families may find this difficult to comprehend, but it's not uncommon for converts in developing nations to be told by their parents to reject their Christian faith and they're often kicked out of their home, which is obviously not God's desire for you to reject your faith. This is why we must acknowledge that honouring our parents is not necessarily unconditionally obeying them, right? Honouring also isn't intimacy. If you've had a traumatic relationship with your parents, honouring them doesn't mean opening yourself up to continual trauma. To do so would actually be at conflict with our responsibility to guard our hearts. Sometimes we need to take time away from the source of trauma to rebuild ourselves. And maybe we re-engage afterward or maybe we don't. That's really up to you, God, and maybe a trusted advisor in your life. Honouring doesn't require intimacy and continued exposure to traumatic behaviours. Now, I realise that there is one more pink elephant that I'm yet to address at a deeper level. I stated it earlier, but, you know, if you were really paying attention, you would notice that I forgot about it. But I haven't forgotten about it. I'm about to address it now. I've seen this happen amongst Christian families more than non-Christian, right? But basically, when you trust your parents and their faithfulness to God, We can make the mistake of allowing them to take the same level as God in our lives. And I think I stated it earlier as giving them too much influence in our lives, like they still have a say, right? We assume that what God wants for us is one and the same with what our parents want because, you know, they're good godly people. But our parents can become idols too, just like anything else. There is this odd little bit of scripture in Matthew 8, verses 18 to 22, a scribe comes up to Jesus and says he will follow him. And Jesus responds oddly, and I'll I'll let you go read that bit. But then it says in verse 21 and 22, another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now, considering how much we have harped on about how God values parents and the commandment to honor your parents, and Jesus remarking at the Pharisees and Jesus' own treatment of his mother, I'm going to say that this comes across as a bit ungracious, like it sounds a bit, you know, like hyperbole or something. What's he trying to say? He's trying to say this. There is nothing, even the relationship with our parents, 
that should come before following and obeying Jesus. If he says something, it doesn't matter what your parents think, you must follow him. You know, some Christian kids are too scared to even speak up to their parents for the fear of disappointing them. But all the while, they don't realize they're compromising on God's will for their lives. And that's not what God had in mind when he said to honor your father and mother. There's a pastor I've known and he's, you know, very fatherly, right? So much so that he's actually surrounded by a lot of other pastors who seem to be desperately seeking his approval. And the fact is, is that he actually really does approve of them, but it seems like it's in such a way that meets some kind of deep inner need. Well, there was a time when one of the pastors around him felt the calling of God to move on. You know, it happens. It's not a big deal. That happens from time to time. But the guilt and the shame that this younger pastor presented with showed me how easily we can become addicted to an earthly fatherly love in place of God. You should never feel guilt or shame for doing the one thing that God has always expected us to do, which is his will. There are definitely people in my life that have criticized me, condemned me, painted, you know, slanderous pictures of me for, not literally, but for doing what I believe is God's will, right? And I know that and I don't, you know, I don't respond with criticism to them. I just know that sometimes people are uncomfortable with what, you know, choices you make in life. Now, here's the thing. I don't answer to them and ultimately we actually don't answer to our parents. We answer to God. So do God's will, not your parents. I think I've said enough of that. If this episode has been particularly difficult, and I know it could have been, I encourage you to reach out to someone, even if that's me, you know, but maybe you're not into DMs on Instagram or whatever, but reach out to someone, pray with someone, seek the comfort of God. He is, after all, the Heavenly Father. But I want to share one more thought to close out this episode. It is a hard thing to reconcile that we often continue to pay for the sins of our parents. We have the hard work of healing, of changing, of growing for things that we were exposed to instead of things we did ourselves. Any person who is dealing with trauma feels this pain, the pain of unfairness. The residual trust issues, the residual insecurity. We lament over these things. But in this way, we may mimic our Lord Jesus Christ in a way we maybe haven't considered before. Christ was never responsible for us, just as we are not responsible for our parents. It was never his fault for our condition. And it is not your fault or my fault for our parents' condition. And yet he honoured us. He loved us when he went to the cross and took the responsibility for the residue of sin because of our forefathers' sins, all the way back to Adam and Eve. This is the call of a believer. We do the thing that is not necessarily fair, but what is right. We honour those who may not have honoured us. It's not because they did anything right, but it's because of our righteous Saviour. We follow our Lord Jesus Christ when we do to others, including our parents, 
what we would have others do to us. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pink Elephant. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my resources on my website, meljsayward.com.